Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I concluded a series recently called New Season and Same God, amen, uh, in our Wednesday Bible study. And over the course of those few weeks, I believe the Lord showed us many, many things that are encouraging for us to understand uh, how the Lord equips us as we transition into seasons. Amen. And so we see that sometimes the Lord will give us a word in season. That word in season means it's a rhema word. It's a word that will carry you from one season to the next. Does that make sense to you this morning? And so we see that, you know, as the Lord, you know, gives us a word, he'll often give a promise or a word, or a promise from his word before its fulfillment. Amen? That's what promises are. They are given to us prior to them actually being fulfilled. Amen? So the Lord will release a promise to us from his word before its fulfillment. And how many of you know that it's our job as the believers and as the saints to hold on to that word? Amen? How many of you know that the enemy wants to rob you of your joy? Amen? How many know that the enemy wants to rob you of the word? Amen? A lot of times you'll get a word in season. The Lord will encourage you with something. And the next thing that happens is an attack from the enemy. Amen? The next thing that sometimes comes, you know, they say, you know, by the stripes of Jesus you are healed. And then all of a sudden you got a little bit of itch in your throat. Or they give you a promise of God. They say, you know, the Lord will bless your finances. The Lord will prosper you as you continue serving him. And all of a sudden, a bill comes in that you didn't expect. But what is the Lord intending to do? Just like he led out his people into battle and he would say, fear not and trust in me. He always gave the answer before the problem. Amen. He would always prepare them in advance because something that they could fear was at hand. Amen. So he would say, fear not in advance so that they wouldn't be afraid. And so as the Lord was speaking to me for this message, I kept coming back to this thought of the Lord using one word, using one reminder, one statement of hope, one sustenance, deliverance, power and authority that the Lord would not only use to hold us in, but to deliver us from the seasons that we are in. Amen. And so it works like this. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your life or maybe you need deliverance or a word to get you through a season. And the Lord has given it to you. But it seemed as though what he said has not come to pass. Or maybe you were given a word, you know, for a time in your life, not knowing if it would be fulfilled or not. But I'm here to remind you that the very word that the Lord speaks into your heart and into your life, it has the ability to perform itself. The word of God has the ability to perform itself. Right now when we were praying, the Lord reminded, uh, reminded me that, that we came from the ashes, amen, and we came from the dust. And it was what? It was the breath of God that breathed into man that made him come alive, amen? And so it's the same with the word of God. The word of God is like the breath of God that makes us come alive, amen? Isaiah 55, if you have your Bibles, verse 10 says this. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. He says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I've sent it. Amen. It will achieve what he has purposed and willed for that word to do in your life. And so there's a few things that we need to note that every word of God written or spoken has the ability to fulfill whatever it was sent to do. We prayed recently for a young man who's a family member of, uh, of our church and, and DJ and I went to go visit him in the hospital and we prayed over this young man and as I was praying the Lord just kind of stirred my heart to just declare and believe the word. See, it doesn't matter how dire the situation looks. It doesn't matter if you're diagnosed with some kind of, you know, terminal disease or, or some kind of sickness. Or it doesn't matter if your life is literally hanging in the balance or if you're hanging by a thread. The word has the ability to perform itself. 
When you declare over a, a body, just, just like Lazarus, Jesus spoke to Lazarus. And, and when he was comforting Mary and Martha, what did he say? They said, Jesus, our brother is dead. He said, no, 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 he's fallen asleep. He's fallen asleep. He's not dead like you would presume that he is dead. You might see a lifeless body, but I see somebody that's asleep. And when I go and I speak my word and the word is released from my mouth, it has the very power to raise a dead man back to life. Do you believe that with me this morning, church? And so this is no greater illustrated than in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3 and it says, and God said, and God said, let there be light and what? There was light. When God speaks, church, it is the most powerful thing that has ever, you know, been witnessed by us. When the word of God is spoken over your life and, and is declared over your life, it will perform, church. It will fulfill the purpose in which it was sent. It will do what it was sent to do. Our job, though, is to believe it. Our job is to believe it no matter what word may come to contradict what you heard. No matter what little deception may come that Satan might say, did God really say To deceive our heart, to move us out from faith, to move us outside of the realm of faith. But we must believe that God has the ability to do what he said. And so I want you to repeat after me. Say, and God said. Think about that just for a second. Anytime that you open the pages of this book of the word of God, the two most powerful statements I believe that you know, are made in scripture, they serve as a reminder to remind all who believe in Jesus Christ are this. And God said, and it is written. Those two statements, and God said, and it is written, are so powerful, church. Is, they are so powerful because what was written and recorded to bring us comfort in times of chaos is there penned as the word of God never to change, never to die, the Bible says the, the heavens and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It says that the grass will wither and it will fail and it will dry up, but the word of God remains. The word of God, church, is the eternal truth spoken from his mouth to our hearts and to our lives. Amen. I believe that the word of God has deliverance in it. Amen. The word of God will free you from oppression. The word of God will give you freedom. The word of God will lead you from a place of captivity. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this. All scripture is God breathed. Not just the ones that we like. Amen. Not just the one that's comforting. Not just the ones that says, oh, he's an anchor for my soul or his, you know, grace is sufficient. You know, those are, those are the nice verses. But what about the ones that says that we have to die to ourselves every single day and take up our cross and follow him? What about the ones that say that we must repent from our sins and turn from our wicked ways? Then he will hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sin and he'll heal our land. What about those? Amen. You see, we can't pick and choose what we want from the word of God because all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking. Oh, we don't like to get rebuked. It's useful for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's me and you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Lord prepares us for battle. The Lord enables us to walk through seasons in life, church, because of his word. And the description here of God's word in the Greek is this word called theonoustos. This is very literally translated as God breathed. Now human authors put words to paper through their own perspective or style. But the ultimate source of this information that we have in the Bible is not human. Amen. It's not human. It's divine. 
It's the deity of God. It's from the Lord. That Greek word neo is used for wind or breath or spirit. And in a symbolic sense, you know, the Greek word that Paul uses is a model of the scripture itself. And it's an extension of the will of God formed from his spirit in written form. Because every word that the Lord has spoken is perfect and it's profitable for all areas of our life. Amen? I hope your parents were good parents and they raised you to eat you know, all your vegetables, amen, and all your fruits and, and the bread and the, and the sugar, you know, was probably last on the list, amen? How many of you like your fruits and vegetables? Raise your hand. Well, wow, that was like slow. I see Edgar over here. Edgar's like, I'm not really, you know, a veggie guy, you know, where we kind of hesitate, you know, when it's like fruits and vegetables. You know, the fruits and vegetables of Scripture, I believe, are the rebukes, the correcting, the discipline, the training. But those are the most important parts. Amen? We'll never look like the image of Jesus if we have not been trained by him. And the word is what he said. Amen? The word is breathed from the mouth of God. And so scripture, it's profitable for teaching. It's used to instruct for you to get to know God better. This is why we have it in our life. The second scripture, it's profitable for reproof or rebuke. That is the idea of exposing or pointing out sin. You know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about sin from the pulpit because, you know, people get uncomfortable and people might leave. You know what? I'd rather that you leave the church and get to heaven than have a church full of hell-bound people. Amen. When that trumpet blasts and the, and the sky splits open from the eastern, I pray that this church is empty. Because there's a people that have emptied and surrendered and given their whole lives and surrendered to Jesus. They held nothing back. They said, Lord, I expose all of my heart to you, Lord, so that you can purify me. Because the Bible says, church, he's not just coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. He's coming back for a holy people. Amen. Scripture is useful for correction. Scripture both points out sin and yet offers a solution to it. I said it points out sin in our life, but yet offers a solution to that sin, to remedy that sin, to find forgiveness for our sins. Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness, though similar to teaching, training is more focused and it's more of a practical application. There's a scripture in 1 Timothy that talks about how, you know, physical training is of some value. But it says spiritual training is worth much more. Do you know, church, that no matter how physically fit you are, you, you, that's not going to make you last any longer. No matter how physically fit you are, you know, thinking in the sense of, of you, know, you know, I can be so fit that I'm going to live forever. That's not true. The Bible says that it's appointed for man to die. But the spiritual sense of training is of much more value. Because guess what? Though our bodies will decay, like scripture says, our soul will live forever. And I pray that our soul is heaven bound and it's not hell bound. Because it's bound to the very one who died for your soul. Died for your sins. Died to make you new again. Amen. So we ask ourselves this question, what is the Lord saying for the season that we're living in? I believe, church, that not only will the Lord restore many, many people, I believe the Lord is in the restoration process of restoring the body of Christ. But I also believe that we will see a great revival resulting in a huge harvest of souls for the kingdom and for God's glory. You see, when I spoke that, some of you are probably going like, how is this going to happen, Pastor? Doesn't it sound contrary to the direction that the world is heading in? Doesn't it seem to almost contradict, you know, the, the path and the trajectory that everybody is headed towards and now in this day and age? I believe, church, that the Lord will finish what he started. Amen? He is that kind of God. The Bible says that he will carry us until the day of completion, until we are resurrected and we meet him in heaven. But John chapter 1, I want us to read from John 1 and 1. It says this, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word 
was God. He was with God in the beginning. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4 says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And verse 5 says, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I just told you that in the days that we're living in, in the season that we're living in, there will be a great harvest of souls. There will be a great revival. There will be a turning of a nation from a place of sin, and they will come back to Jesus. I'm not saying that every soul will. Because it's determined by man if they want to surrender to God and if they want to believe the truth and accept the truth. Amen? But I believe that many upon many, your sons and daughters, your family members, your co-workers, people in your community, you might not even see it yet, but the Lord is beginning to do something great in their life. And it starts with a praying church. Amen. I said it starts with a praying church. Can I encourage you just for a moment, church? Do not stop praying for those that are lost. Do not stop praying for those that are far away from God. Because in a moment's notice, just like the prodigal son, the Bible says that he was far and away. He had squandered his father's inheritance. And though he was away and he had lost everything, the Bible says that he changed his mind. He had a change of heart and he had a change of mind. And the instant that he changed his mind, there was a father that came to his rescue that ran to his life and clothed him with a robe and put a ring on his finger and established him once again. The Lord is able to save. But I love what the scripture says. The word has existed since the beginning. It's eternal. The word has been with God and the word is God. It gets personal. It says, notice that he says he was with God in the beginning. That's Jesus. And it says, through him all things were made. Did you know that all things were made through Jesus? And nothing was made outside of him. Nothing was made and created outside of him. Colossians chapter 1 confirms that. But in him, the scripture says, is life. In him, in Jesus alone, is life and truth. And because of the life of Jesus, the Bible says that his life is the light for all mankind. His life, church, is the light that shines brightly in a darkened world. And guess what? Darkness has not overcome it. Listen to me carefully. Darkness will not overcome the plan of the Lord. And because of that light, it shines from the light of Jesus and from the word of the Lord and from the truth of who God is. We will see, church, many, many souls come to him. Amen. How many of you believe and know that our God is eternal? Amen. And his plan has not changed. The person of Jesus is the one that shines into the darkness, into the deepest places of wickedness and sin. And the Lord is looking for a people that will fulfill what scripture teaches us in Matthew chapter 5, that we would be not a light that is hidden, but we'd be a city on a hill for all to see. That the way that you walk and talk and live, the very words that flow from your heart and your life, they would be from this book. They would not be our opinions they would not be our judgments. They would not be, you know, from our own, you know, you know, ideologies or philosophies. But they would be purely from the word of God. Because the word of God, church, has the ability not only to perform the word, but to defend itself. God's not even looking for more people to defend his word. He's just looking for people to live out his word. Amen. He's looking for saints once again that will walk in the light of, of the Lord and walk in the glory of God in this time and in this season that we are living in. I believe that we serve the almighty God. Amen. I believe that we serve the matchless one. We serve the one to whom storms must be still. When he speaks and he said, peace, be still, the storms of life must listen. We serve the God eternal church that at the, you know, at the sound of, of his voice, at the mention of the name, every single chain or shackle that holds somebody bound can be broken. Do you believe that? You see, you're looking at an individual that was bound, that was shackled. And because I called upon the name of Jesus and I heard about this saving grace that he offered me, I found freedom through Jesus. And only through Jesus. 
Not through ministry, not through works, not through anything else. He is the rescuer that we must all turn to to find freedom and rescue. Amen? But he is the one church that makes demons tremble. Did you know that? You see, when you say the name of Jesus, the darkness shudders. When you mention the name of Jesus to your friends, to your loved ones, to your family members, to people that are lost, all of a sudden something just gets, you know, a little bit wrong in their spirit. You see, if there's a demon that's got no hold of their life, then guess what? That demon all of a sudden is going to be like, no, 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 I can't, I can't hear this name any longer. But I want us to understand something, church. Do you know that we have authority? Then why aren't we using it? If we truly believe that we have authority, then we won't be afraid to talk to people about Jesus. Because greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The prince and the, of darkness and the powers of the air. The Bible says that, that the enemy, yes, Satan is, is the one that blinds you know, the minds of unbelievers that are here in this world. But the only way that the blind eyes can be opened is when light is shown. And the light that you possess in your life, church, is far more powerful. Far more powerful than anything that you would ever be confronted with in this life. Amen? Isaiah 61, such a powerful chapter, but I want to read this to you. And verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. I want you to just read that line with me. Say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. See, do we believe that? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Amen. It says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's you, church. It says, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. It goes on to say they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places that are long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And it says, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will re rejoice in your inheritance. It says, and you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Can I tell you something? The Lord hates robbery and wrongdoing. Man, why are we putting up with this in our nation, church? Why are we allowing lawlessness to take over? The Lord hates robbery and wrongdoing. He says, in my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known amongst the nation and their offspring amongst the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. He said, so I delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, it says, for as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise Spring up before all nations. Can somebody thank the Lord for his word? You see, the Lord has a plan. Amen? I said, the Lord has a plan. You see, the news ain't, ain't part of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
I'm tired of listening to the news. I don't know about you, but I cut cable a long time ago. You want to know why? Because guess what? That's not the good news. That's not the truth of the gospel. That's not enduring, and that's not lasting. That's full of fear. That's full of a bunch of junk that you don't need to ingest in your life. But when you ingest the word of God, church, and you ingest the Bible, and you ingest the truth of the word of God, no lie can stand because you stand upon the rock of your foundation. The truth is what we need, church. He will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. I believe over the last few years in the American church, we've seen how the enemy has launched a great attack against truth. He's launched a huge attack against truth and holiness and righteousness. And guess what? This attack has even crept into the church through things like division. You say, oh, Pastor Duke, why are you talking about this? Oh, Because of the truth is, is that even the enemy has used things like politics, gender identity, movements of race, or segregations of groups of people to distract and deceive many people. And ultimately, it's been launched so that you can get in a war with somebody that you were meant to save. So that you can bicker and fight on the internet and and be at ends with your nieces and nephews and your family members because they have a different agenda in mind when our agenda as the believers should only be God's. (laughs) It should only be God's. To walk out the plan of God, to live out the plan of God, to see the plans of the Lord fulfilled and succeed. I'm here to declare what the Lord spoke through Joseph when his family left him for dead. His family abandoned his life. You remember that story. His his family had left him for dead and he was in the middle of a plague. And when he was sold into slavery, the word of God, you know, just is powerful to remind us of these truths. And the word of God, you know, it speaks to our nation, though you might have been abandoned by many people. And though many leaders have turned you over to evil, though many have tried to sell our country into slavery, we can say just like Joseph said in Genesis 50 and verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I believe that the Lord is about to do something so powerful and so special in these times that we're living in. And my appeal to you, church, is that you would be a part of what God is doing. That Sunday church wouldn't be enough. Amen. That praying for our food wouldn't be enough. Amen. But spending hours in the presence of God, praying to the Lord, seeking the Lord for guidance and direction, walking every single day as a witness and as a testimony of the faithfulness of God. You see, Joseph wasn't out to get revenge on his brothers. Let that be a word to us. We're not supposed to be out there trying to get revenge on on each other. Amen. We're not supposed to be out there in this world, you know, just bickering and fighting with one another. Because you know what Joseph did? He had already submitted them to God. And dare I say, those that maybe we've had arguments with, we need to submit them to God. Amen? So that we would walk in the forgiveness and in the truth that the Lord has paid for. And we would trust that the Lord would avenge their sin. I'd like to propose to you, church, that the season that we are living in now is a season where the body of Christ must understand her place. We can't get this wrong now. Listen to me carefully. We cannot get this wrong now. We're in a season where we might not have much time for do-overs. We might not have much time for, you know, oh, now we're going to start praying like we were supposed to be praying. We don't have much time for that anymore, church. We must understand our place because we're not here to cut off the ears of those who want to take us captive. Amen? We're not here to pull out the sword like Peter did when he was stopping the will of God from happening. He was stopping Jesus from being led into captivity. That's not our place. Listen to me carefully. That's not our place. But God has intended all of this to put the lampstand of his glory on display so that the saving of many souls can be harvested before his return. How many of you know, church, that sometimes what God tells us to do and what he tells us will happen sounds very foolish to others? <laughs> you know, what the Lord tells us to do, you know, I, I would encourage you to, to maybe 
take wisdom from Joseph's life and not share all your dreams with everybody. Because lo and behold, you might run into the wrong person that is, that is uh, sent from the enemy to discourage you from pursuing what the Lord has said in regards to your life. So we actually have to take those things to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm going to trust you with this. But like I said, what the Lord says to us, oftentimes it will sound very foolish to others. And that dream that Joseph had, it seems so foolish because the end result wasn't anything near the beginning. A young man that was literally left for dead, that was thrown in a pit, you know, you know, years later would find himself in a palace at the mercy of his, you know, he was, his brothers were at the mercy of his decisions. Those that left him for dead were literally at the mercy of the decisions that he had made. And, and I, I would, you know, want us to understand this, that though we see recklessness today, though we see a rebellion in our, in, our, in our society, though we see all of these things, you know, kind of rising up around us, God will bring forth revival once again. God will bring forth revival out of that place where it seems so dark. And I want to remind us of the word of the Lord spoken to us in this season because it is time to live out the word of God. I'll say it again. It is time for us to live out the word. You see, this is not just some manuscript that was written thousands of years ago that bears no importance for your life today. But no, I would remind you, church, that the truth of the word of God is your life. The truth that the Lord has spoken over us is the life that we must be living. The scripture says to us in Isaiah 61 that he has anointed you to preach good news. He has anointed you to preach good news. He has anointed you to preach good news. I'll start on this side. He has anointed you to preach good news. I'll start on that back. He has anointed you to preach good news. He has anointed every single one of us to preach good news. Amen? Not just the guy standing up here with the microphone, though I'm privileged to be doing this. We are all anointed to preach the good news. Reinhard Bonnke said this, the gospel when preached happens. The gospel, when preached, it just happens. It becomes an event. He said the gospel is like water. No man invented it, yet no man can live without it. No man can live without it. The gospel is nothing less than a nation saver. It is power packed for the nations and designed to put a dynamic charge into all the lives that Jesus saves. You see, the church should be the most feared entity on the planet. Every demon in hell should fear the church and the body of Christ because they possess the very one who destroys all darkness. Some of you aren't believing what I'm telling you today. You say, Pastor Duke, how could we be the most feared entity on the planet? Because you serve the one church who is above all governments, who rules and reigns above all things that this world would throw our way. He is above it all. He is over all things, church. He rules and he reigns. And so it's never been a more ripe time to share the gospel. It's never been a more prime picked time to share the gospel. Why? Because here's the deal. One word can change everything. One word can change everything. I'll never forget years ago, I was a 15-year-old young man, and I had walked into this church for the very, you know, few times that I had been here. And somehow, Pastor caught wind that I played drums. And I don't know who told him, but somebody said, hey, this kid plays drums, and at the time, they did not have a drummer. And he invited me. He says, you know, uh, hey, you know, it was like 6.45 on a Wednesday Right before church is about to start, he approaches me and says, hey, you know, have you ever heard some of the songs that we do? And I was like, not really. You know, I was a little punk skater kid. You know, I, I wasn't really into church music at the time. <laughs> but he said, you think you could play what, what we play? I said, well, I'll give it a shot. So he asked me to go up there, and I, I sat down behind the drum set, and, and you know, they started singing um, this song that we used to sing called The Lord Reigns, and Linda was our worship leader. Wave at us, Linda. She's way in the back. <laughs> the Lord reigns. Da, 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 the Lord. And I'm like, you know, and I'm playing, you know, and I'm kind of like, 
all right, I can do this. And then they went into a series of songs, you know, look what the Lord has done. And I went to the enemy's camp, you know, songs like that. And I remember as soon as we finished, like I was the most nervous I think I had ever been in my life. I was just like, man, I can't wait till this is over. And not because I didn't want to worship the Lord or, or, you know, I didn't even know what worship was, to be honest, at the time. And I was just itching to get off of the altar. I was like, man, I just, all right, I'm done, you know, ding, I hit the cymbals, I left the sticks there. And, uh, and uh, they, they started, you know, dismissing the worship team. And, and I was trying to creep off the altar, and pastor goes, young man. Pretty sure I was the only young man up there at the time. A bunch of ladies that were singing and stuff like that. And he's like, young man, just come here. And I stand next to him and he puts his arm around me. He says, God has a tremendous plan for your life. He said, you don't see it now. You don't realize it now. You have no idea. He said, but I can see the hand of God already upon your life. And I can tell you that that one word changed the trajectory of my life. So all of a sudden I said, who is this man that sees that God has a plan for my life? Who is God? What is his plan? What is his purpose? Is it just that I would, you know, play music in a, in a church? What is it? And over the next three months, it was from the day of those words that the Lord had planted a seed in my heart. And I would hear the truth. I would hear the gospel. I would hear pastor preach about Jesus. And I would hear just, you know, what was being spoken of, you know, and, and the truth that was coming out, you know, from his lips. And all of a sudden, one day, like, it was just like this perfect, you know, explosion and collision of, you know, me giving my heart to Jesus. And when I heard that he was the one that was going to save me of my sin, when I heard that he was the one that died for me, I could not wrap my mind around this one that, that had loved me with this everlasting love that, that, that wanted everything for, for me to be well and to be good. You see, if you understood any part of my life up until that point, I was very lost. So lost to the point where I put a knife to my wrist and so lost to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't feel like I had any purpose in life. But somebody said that God has a purpose for you. And it changed everything. It changed everything. And I believe that the world needs to hear the word of God. I said, I believe that the world needs to hear the word of God. Because when you speak the word of God, church, to a lifeless individual, it has the ability to create life. When you speak the word of God over a person that wants to end their life and, and wants to commit suicide, you will see that all of a sudden something comes alive in them. And the spirit of the resurrected Christ says, no, 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 you're not going to die. I've got a plan for your life. But guess what, church? We've got to speak what he has said. We've got to speak into existence what the Lord has said for this world. The sick and the diseased will get to know that by the stripes that Jesus bore in his body, that they will be healed. You see, I'm reminded of, of great men and women of God that, that have, have come up before us, church, in the early 1900s. There was a woman named Amy Semple McPherson who literally emptied hospitals because she went in there and spoke the word of God. I don't know about you, but I'd like to empty a hospital one day. For the first 13, 14 years of my life, I lived in a hospital. I was hospitalized almost every month, you know, or, you know, every other month, you know, sometimes two or three times a month because I was dying and I couldn't breathe. So when I read the scripture and it says that this scripture is God breathed, when I read the scripture that says that the Lord has breathed life into my soul, that's a little bit more special to me. For a guy that struggled to breathe every day of his life to finally come to that place where I know that when I am able to speak what he has said and what he has planted in my life and in my heart, I am able to see the same transformation that God did in me in somebody else's life. But it only comes unless I speak. The demonic oppressed need to know the authority that the word of God in the name of Jesus carry. Amen. The identity confused and the disoriented people of our cities need to know that if the word of God is spoken to their life, it will end all confusion, church. 
It will end all misidentification and all the attacks that the enemy has launched against their life to change the design of God. That's the power of his word. Sinners and fornicators, the sexually immoral of this world, need to know that there is a better way of living. When Jesus confronted the woman at the well, he confronted the very things that she was living in, the sin that she had been living in. But he had told her, he said, if you only knew who was standing in front of you, if you only knew that I was the wellspring to life, if you only drank from this well, you would be satisfied and you'd never be thirsty again. You see, the church, the, the world needs to know, church, the message that we have hidden in our hearts. That there is hope through Jesus. There is salvation through Jesus. There is an end to all the hustle and the bustle and all the ways of, of frustration and the drug addiction and all the abuse and all these things. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. Only through his name. And I'm here to remind you, church, that a single word from God has more power than a million lies of the devil. A single spoken word of God. He said, let there be light. And there was light. When you go back to your homes, to your neighborhoods, to your families, to your you know, people that you are walking in, in this life with. No matter how dark it looks, you need to speak life. You need to speak light. You need to pray over them in such a way, church, that you pray like you've never prayed before so that they can turn and they can have their eyes open to the gospel. But here's the deal. It's what you do with the word that is given that determines the outcome you live in. We complain about our society all the time. But society wouldn't look dark and it wouldn't look evil if we've done what God has called us to do. Hmm. Philippians 3.18 says, For as I've often told you before and now tell you again with many tears, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. What Paul was saying was that he was weeping and he had an anguish in his life. Because when he looked at the world, he didn't just see people that, you know, went to and fro and he didn't just see people you know that were in existence he had a burden in his heart for their soul he wept over them Romans chapter 9 talks about this that he wept over these people shortest verse in the Bible is when Jesus wept he wept over the city that the Lord had, had called him to, to the people that the Lord had, had destined and predestined to be his forever. And he wept over the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I heard a, a portion of a sermon recently, and it was Francis Chan that said, as Christians, we believe in heaven. Amen? As Christians, we believe in heaven, but we also believe in hell. Amen? And he said, because of the fact that we actually know of the existence of hell, and yet we don't have an urgency in our heart and our life to tell somebody about Jesus, is probably the biggest fraud and in, in, in hypocritical thing that we could ever do in this world. Because the fact that we know that a hell exists, a place outside of the presence of God forever, church, no longer to be able to be redeemed, no longer able to be restored. They're gone. They're done away with. They will live in that place of torment. Torment and anguish. The Bible says where the moth and the worm, they, they, they're not destroyed. There's a weeping and there's a gnashing of teeth. Because we know of the existence of hell, but we do not try to rescue anyone from it, is the biggest form of hypocrisy. So what is the solution, Pastor Duke? The only solution we have is to preach the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes.
See, the gospel is not a word of judgment for those who choose not to believe. John 3, 16 through 18 says that, that the person that does not embrace the truth already stands condemned. They've chosen for themselves their end. But rather, the gospel is glad news and not mad news. Amen? The gospel that speaks life of Jesus Christ is our point of resurrection in life. It speaks to the one who is able to resurrect the lowly, who is able to redeem the lost, who is able to, you know, bring those that were, you know, completely, you know, in a, in a place of, of, of being dead and, and, you know, away from God. He is the only one that is able to redeem them. And if the church would only understand that though this message will be opposed by some, it will still be received by many. Though it might be opposed by some, it will still be received by many people. And so church, we cannot go another day of being ashamed of the gospel. We cannot go another day of being ashamed of the written word of God and the God whom it is written about. Oh, but Pastor Duke, what if we're persecuted for preaching the gospel? <laughs> the book of Revelation, it says that they did not love their lives so much as to be willing to, to die. Jesus himself said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. The Bible says that one day the Lord was speaking in the temple of Jesus. And he was sharing the word of God. And there were leaders and there were chief priests amongst the people that were actually trying to kill him. They were plotting to kill him. And I know some of you are probably like, Pastor Duke, it's 12 o'clock. When are we going to get out of here? Hopefully you're not plotting to kill me. But imagine with me just for a moment that you're sharing the truth. You're speaking the word of God. And there was a, pe a person or a people right next to you that wanted to kill you. And they're not far away. They were actually in the room. And they were within striking distance. And the very thing that prevents them from killing you is the very word of God. It's not only what was spoken, but what he lived that stopped the enemy in his tracks. And Luke 19 verse 48 records this. It says, yet they could not find any way to do it. That meant to kill Jesus. They could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. So there was this battle of life and death that was going on. There was this battle that was happening in the moment that Jesus was sharing the word of God. It was repelling those that had this angst in their life and this evil in their life that they wanted to kill him. But because he spoke life, guess what? It defended his life. It defended his life before it was time. And it was this wall, this barrier of protection that the Lord spoke out to keep him alive. When the word of the Lord is released from your lips, it not only has the power, church, to save those who hear it, but it contains the power to keep you alive. In Acts 27, there's a story if you have your Bibles, but in Acts 27, we read about Paul. And at this time, Paul is finally serving the Lord and he's ministering and he's spreading the gospel throughout the regions. But Paul finds himself on a ship with a bunch of prisoners. And though he did not merit the, the punishment that they were on that ship for, he was just as imprisoned as they were. And just like right now in society, we might not feel like, hey, you know what, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I'm experiencing all this. I didn't vote for the guy. I didn't, I didn't you, know, you know, put this person, you know, in office. But yet we're in the same ship. Amen? We're on the same ship. It is what it is. But Paul was caught in a storm without any control. And the Bible records as they were sailing, this hurricane force storm, it rose up and it caught the ship with the winds so strong that they had to give way to be driven along by the force of the storm. And it says the storm was pounding their ship so strong they passed ropes underneath the ship itself as to tie it and to reinforce the boat together. Fearing that this storm was so powerful it was going to rip the vessel to shreds or that they would be dashed upon the rocks. And as one day turned to the next they began to throw cargo overboard to lighten the load. And on the third day they threw the ship's tackle and gear overboard as well. And in Acts 27 and verse 20 the Bible says, when neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, 
And the storm continued raging. It said we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You know that there's people in this life, church, that walk around us every single day that have given up hope of being saved. They've given up. They see no end, you know, to their, to their pain. They see no solution for the things that plague their life. They see no, you know, breaking in the generational curses that have plagued their families. They see no end to it. They've given up hope. And, and I can imagine that many of you have even felt captive like this during a season in your life. We say, you know what, Pastor Duke, I, I felt out of control of my circumstance, you know, and I didn't know what to do. You feel imprisoned to whatever the storm might do. You feel even bound in a way for the allowing of the storm to toss your ship back and forth. And in times of hopelessness, church, there's always a word of hope. I said in times of hopelessness, the Lord always will give us a word of hope. Acts 27 and verse 22, a few verses later, he said, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, and only the ship will be destroyed. Do you know, church, that this world that we live in is eventually going to get destroyed? The Bible says that the heavens and the earth will pass away and that there will be a new heavens and a new earth one day, amen? And that the Lord will transform our bodies and that he will give us brand new bodies that are perfect in his presence. Everything that we see here and now is not lasting except for one thing, and that is the soul. And I pray that the Lord would give us a heavenly burden to look at people as souls. We don't look at people as right or left. We don't look at people by their skin color or their race. We don't look at people by the things that they do or that we like or the things that they don't do that we don't like or the things that we agree with or the things that we don't agree with. The Bible says that we look at people as souls, just the way that the Lord looks at souls. And as believers, we're always given a word of hope, even in the worst of seasons. Every single soul that belongs to Jesus will not be lost and it will not go down with the ship and it will not be destroyed. But it will be perfected in the presence of God. And so Matthew 10 and 28, and then I'll be finished. The Lord spoke and he said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? He said, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, even those that fell out. I added that. So don't be afraid. He said, so don't be afraid. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And he says in verse 32, So whoever acknowledge me, acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Your worth is found in the word of God. But without the word, there is no worth. Without knowing what the Lord's plan is for your life, without knowing the Lord in a personal relationship as your Lord and Savior, you will be tossed around by every word of bad news that is thrown your way. First Peter 1 and verse 18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. He said, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, or defect. John 6 and 63 says the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. And he says the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And so I believe that we all need to be reminded of is that the promises that the Lord has given to his children, they will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. This nation will see revival in Jesus' name. Your families will be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Your relationships will be restored in Jesus' name. Generational curses will be broken in Jesus' name. And once and for all, the enemy's grip on the lives of people will be destroyed in Jesus' name. Amen. As I ask you to stand to your feet, and as the ushers come prepare communion, Read this last verse to you. Psalms 119 and verse 50 says this. 
says, my comfort in my suffering is this, is that your promise preserves my life. We are preserved by the very living and active word of God. And we are standing here today because of the promises of the word of God. Amen. We are alive and well because of the word of the Lord. And I believe, church, that as we believe in Jesus as the resurrection and the life, then not only will we see the Lord deliver us from all things, but we'll see the Lord deliver many upon many people from their sin. And so as I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment, church, maybe somebody this morning has heard about Jesus. And you've heard from the truth of the word of God, but you've never surrendered your life to him. You say, Pastor Duke, I've heard about Jesus, but I have not yet lived for him. I have not yet chosen him. I have not yet acknowledged him before men. I pray in Jesus' name that as time is ticking away that you would heed this appeal that you would say, I need to know him. I need to receive him. The Bible says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And that he became the one of whom all punishment for our sin was laid upon. And that when he was nailed to the cross by his hands and his feet, he was held there because of his love for you. Because he longs to know you. He longs to have a relationship with you. And the way that the enemy had deceived many people in the garden when he said that, has God really said, I'm telling you today, God has said that he wants to know you. He wants to know you personally. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to save your life. And the scripture is clear. Whoever acknowledges me before men, then the Lord will acknowledge you, your name in heaven. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And if that's you this morning, you're simply saying, Pastor Duke, I need Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand to heaven. And all that's happening right now, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. If you have your hand lifted, I just want you to come forward this morning. I just feel led to pray for you. And the Bible says that as we acknowledge him, before men that he will acknowledge us in heaven I saw a young man right over here young man want you to come forward anyone else I know there was somebody on this side let me pray for you today thank you Jesus Jesus we just pray right now Lord that father we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel and we wouldn't be afraid to acknowledge who you are and so I pray right now in the name of Jesus that Lord, our hearts, Father God, would be open and yielded to you right now, Lord, and that we would say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. If that's you, just, just tell him that right now. All you have to do is open your, open your, open your mouth and just, and just speak. Say, I need you, Jesus. I need you to rescue me from my sin. Lord, I realize today that, that I am a sinner. I, I am in need of your grace, God. And I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just come into my heart that you would just come into my life, oh God, that you would just breathe, Lord, life into me, God, this dead vessel, Lord, and that you would speak life into me right now, Jesus. And right now from this place, Jesus, I surrender all of myself to you, Lord, so that, Lord Jesus, you can have your way in my life. You can have your way in, in my being, Lord. And Father, as I trust you from this place, Lord, I believe as I acknowledge you as Savior and as Lord of my life, that from this day forward, my name will be recorded in heaven. And that, Lord Jesus, you will know my name. And that, Father, I won't be ashamed of who you are, Lord, but I will live for you forever. I will live for you, Father God, as light, Lord Jesus. God, light does not hide itself, but light shines brightly in the darkened places of this world. And Father, I pray over your people, over your church today, oh God, that Father, they would know, Lord Jesus, the authority and the equipment that they have in you, oh God. 
the empowerment, oh God, that they have through your precious Holy Spirit. Father, for they possess the gospel. They possess the truth of your word, Father. And it is that word, God, it is that gospel, oh God, that will change somebody's, Father God, trajectory, God, from death to eternal life. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, God, I equip your saints, Lord, with the word of God, Lord, that they may know, Father God, the authority in which they carry. And, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for a boldness, O God, that they would never be ashamed of speaking your name. They would never be ashamed, O God, of declaring your truth, God. They would never be ashamed, God, but every single day, God, they would acknowledge you, Father, and they would live as light in this darkened world. Father, we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.